You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. How do you feel about when they kick the gnomes in uh, Golden Axe? Oh, I think gnome kicking is nice one. Uh, gnomes are assholes and <laughs> we should beat them. Here we go. You heard it here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week, Justin Davis, Scoop. Jared Petty, gnomes. Sam Claiborne. Scoop gnomes. Got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about. Uh, Dragon Age Tactics. We're going to talk about Mirror's Edge. But first, PAX East is coming up in a couple months. Uh, Myself and a few other IGNers are going to be there. And we are having an IGN panel. So if you are attending PAX East, you are required to attend the IGN (laughs) panel. Saturday evening, April 23rd, 7 p.m. in the Dragonfly Theater. Myself, Brian Altano, Marty Sleva, Ryan McCaffrey, at least... We'll all be there. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. If you can't make it, we'll be live streaming the panel on Twitch at the same time. So Mandatory. Yep. Attendance is mandatory. I know you so. don't have anything better to do on a Saturday night than watch four idiots talk about video games. Saturday night. Yeah. BYOB. BYOB, for sure. Uh, let's get to this week's news. Uh, Mirror's Edge. Mm-hmm. Catalyst. Whoa. Is out in about three months. Oh, is that true? What's your read on this on this upcoming video game? I think I played it with you at E3, right? Didn't we go to the... I have not the, played. Oh, okay. I went to the booth and played it, and uh, I'm surprised that it's going to be more open. Must have been some other handsome thing. boy. Open world, yeah. It's open yeah. world game this time out. I think it looks I great. I think it looks gorgeous. I think it's one of those games that uh, was critically successful, commercially mm-hmm. kind of so-so, and I'm just happy that uh, we, you know, we're getting a sequel at all. And surprised, right? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned it's, critical, it's critical versus its commercial success because our listener Chris Parker writes us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com, just like you can. And he says, I'm a huge Mirror's Edge fan. I'm super stoked about the sequel, prequel, reboot, whatever it is, which is coming out. 
However, I am curious as it flew somewhat under the radar at release. Didn't sell particularly well and is now getting a reboot. This begs the question, what are some other games which get this resurgence that have succeeded upon resurgence? The only example of this I can think of is Borderlands, where the first had a somewhat oh, yeah. cultish following with Good under call. the radar press, but has resurged since then with 2 and the pre-sequel and Tales from the. Yeah, well, That's Borderlands has definitely grown, but the first Borderlands was a big hit. Yeah, it was I a big hit. I got one. Call of Duty. How so? <laughs> I don't think the first Call of Duty game was, it was a huge masterpiece hit that everybody cared about. Yeah, I mean, 1, 2, really and 3 were up, big yeah. deals, but not in the way that, like, you know, they weren't selling it, 10 to 20 million copies. Yeah, I think like, Modern Warfare was the, was the big one. That was that, a big turning that point. That was the big yeah. How did Assassin's Creed sell the original? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, have, other yeah, I don't have the numbers, but it definitely like two it was, was the one where it really like yeah. took off. Two's where it just blew up. Well, yeah. two is the I one think, where it was I also think really Assassin's Creed blew up. Yeah. What's that? I think Assassin's Creed. Did it? That's what I wondered. I wasn't sure. I, I remembered everybody was talking about it. I didn't know if it actually sold. I got one. Red Steel. Oh, yeah. Red Steel two. <laughs> it's good. Red Steel two was good. So we we exclusive. It was, it was strange that it got a sequel too. The question is, is it stuff that like went away for a while and then yeah. came back? I think the question is games that you didn't expect them to get a sequel. Oh yeah. But did. that's oh. definitely Red Steel. I mean there's stuff yeah. like like, you know, System Shock is back and big and the first two games were fairly hardcore, you know, experiences mm -hmm. that not a lot of people played. Then we got Bioshock and and uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's sequels, and now we're getting another System Shock. So I put that other Deus Ex, you know, all that sort of, I mean, XCOM, uh, all that PC stuff is sort of back. Super mm -hmm. Metroid comes to mind. Uh, when Metroid came out, it was popular here in the States, but then it got like a Game Boy sequel, and I kind of thought that that thing was just, you know, going to be over, and then boom, mm -hmm. boom we get yeah. the best version of it afterward. Well, goes. and the last Metroid was in captivity, and the galaxy was at peace. There was that. So yeah. how do you make a game with that going on? What about the baby? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few that came to my mind... Uh, was anyone expecting a sequel to Nier uh, to be announced at E3 last summer? No, that was real one. weird. At the Square Enix press conference? Uh, but we are getting a new Nier game. Mm -hmm. The Ryan Clements of the world are excited. Psychonauts? Ooh, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a shocker. There is a new Psychonauts did coming. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Um, a cult favorite from the Xbox, PlayStation 2. To some ex extent, though, like, I feel like we should expect anything to get a sequel because I think studios well, really... Or publishers really pressure people to make sequels over other things. Yeah, I think that's true. And so, that's a problem, right? I, I know people get frustrated working on the fourth version of a game when they just want to make their own yeah, thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, there are really good reasons behind that, right? Like uh, Developers and publishers, publishers spend a lot of time and money building an IP, building a world, creating assets, and then for the when that's out, they could either do that all again or they could use all that that they've already made mm -hmm. to make something in a shorter amount of time. Mm -hmm. Plus, we know that sequels tend to sell better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even if you're even if you're making an entirely new game, like it's it's very uh, you know it's it's a sequel, but it's gonna have very little to do with the original. You still get to skip like you know the months that you spend planning out the world and mm -hmm. who your character is gonna be and what voice actors are you gonna use and yeah. all that sort of logistic stuff you get to reuse, even if the game is completely you know different than what came before it. Yeah, so it's sure. it's there's a lot of inertia once something comes out and it's even a mild success to just keep it going. Mm -hmm. Chrono Trigger rights holders, take note. <laughs> There's a. I like the trend that nothing really goes away. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing that you like and is at least modestly successful. Like even things like Joss Whedon is a big fan of like like Buffy is still around in comic book form mm -hmm. and Firefly, yeah. you know, and Avatar and like things like that continue getting graphic novels and comics. So. Yeah. Like, w how surprised would you be if you heard Buffy's being rebooted for Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't right? be like, that surprised. Yeah. No. Wouldn't. Think of it. Uh, there was a time in which uh, there was a Star Trek TV show. 
and then there was 10 years in which there was nothing Star Trek. But mm -hmm. conventions started, and, you know, people watched old episodes, and they're around, and then a movie just happened, and then yeah. it became, you know, there was there was a, a two-decade period where there wasn't a Star Trek on TV. Now, now there isn't so. one. Yeah. But yeah. it just got announced. Yeah. yeah, you think about, like, sequel <laughs> gaps between, like, Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. You get a gap of, what, you know, close to 60 years. 2,000 yeah. years. I don't remember Fantasia 2000. Was that a whole new movie? That was a whole new movie. Mm -hmm. Theatrical release. It had, yeah. it had CG. And it was really yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Depending on your substance. <laughs> <laughs> what about the game? Uh, I didn't play the game. Nobody did. Uh, there was a game. Rip. There was, was it really a game? Yeah. In 2000? Oh, that. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. Like last Are you thinking no, of you're talking about the Kinect <laughs> game, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you're talking about that one. The harmonics game. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I thought that'd that. be funny if there was like a PlayStation 1 <laughs> game. Uh, was there a Fantasia game in the 16-bit like, the era? Or no, there's a bunch of Mickey games where where's yeah. the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Okay, that's the And there's the 8-bit Magic Kingdom game. One more before, I, before we move on. In 2008, was anyone expecting a new Bionic Commando? Uh, yeah. Game from That's Capcom. A That's a great choice. Yeah, and then you had you had. There's the Game Boy Color. Uh, Grin, Grin's terrible game, but then you had that wonderful, wonderful yeah. Bionic Commando Rearmed. Yep. that they also did. Yeah, I mean, you just opened the door. Bionic Commando Rearmed reminded me of Pac-Man Championship Edition, and yeah. then they gave the Gal the Galaga one's underrated. People don't seem to like it as much. I like the Galaga. Yeah, me too. I like uh, although the name escapes me. Is it just Galaga DX? It's called uh, Legions. Galaga Legion. Legions. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's um, a great game. You're right, Justin. Also, uh, Space Invaders Extreme from that generation. Yep. Another mm -hmm. really great... I didn't think you could make a good Space Invaders I really sequel. liked all those updates. I mean, retro games get brought back surprisingly obscure ones all the time because people snatch up bundles of rights, mm. and then it's just surprising. Like, like Paperboy could just reappear, but it wouldn't reappear from Atari. We don't really know who has Paperboy right now. I'd have to research that, but mm. there's certain games that people would definitely want to bring, bring back, and they research it. I, well, I actually talked to the guys that yeah. brought back Burger Time, about how they came about those yeah. rights. With World like, Tour, right? Yeah, yeah it's like kind of interesting. You know, Data East <clears throat> hasn't existed for years, and they had to kind of just go down a rabbit hole finding the licenses, and they got it. You know, I, uh, People do that. Sam, what do you think about this? Paperboy VR. Ooh. How I do like you make that. Paperboy would, harder? Would you play that? Uh, yeah, I, I would be very excited about the uh, the uh, obstacle course at the end. Yeah, there's no uh, that breakdancer <laughs> swerving around Ooh. him. Game's so hard. Tough. Uh, get a stationary bike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. it's really good. Sells itself. Let's move on. This, our next email comes from Johnny in the UK. He says, love the show. I hope Jared's dance of joy now becomes a world-woed meme. But I, I couldn't get you to do it in the last episode, right? Well, got him to do it right here. Now we can't get him to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny says, Johnny UK says, I saw the IGN article about Bioware asking fans if they'd like a tactic-style Dragon Age game. Do you guys see this? Uh, the creative director on Dragon Age just tweeted out, would you, if we made a Dragon Age tactic-style game, would you guys be interested okay, in it? Okay, so if I remember right, didn't Origins launch with a web-based tactics game? There like, were a few, they made, there were a few uh, spin-off games that appeared on the web. Uh -huh. There was one that was sort of a story-driven, uh, almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Right. There was one, they had a Facebook game that had a hexagon grid right, that, that had a tactics mm -hmm. game. That's on the one I'm thinking Flash about, game. yeah. It was actually pretty good, if I remember yeah, right. it was good. Um, so yes, I, I love this idea. Sure. Um, I love tactics games, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Fire Emblem, mm -hmm. uh, those types of games. So Front Mission? Uh, front Mission, for sure. Another mm -hmm. game that could maybe be brought back. Disgaea? Yeah, well, I was was gonna. Save the one thing that about Dragon later, Age is yes. that we do have a lot of fantasy-based tactics games, and like I, mean, I don't know I if that'd say be my we're first like choice. we're not like drowning in them. Like, yeah, but not fire really like right XCOM's like everyone a big I play has dragons in it and swords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He says, it's an interesting idea. I'm sure they can make it work. He says, it reminded me of something I've been discussing with friends for a while. How great would a Mass Effect game using the XCOM system be? Yeah. All the skills, classes, biotics would lend themselves perfectly to the style. Yeah. I was wondering what well-known games you guys would like to see explored in different game systems. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stuff like that. They yeah. made a, I don't remember if it was a Flash game or it came out on DS or something, uh, but they made a 2D Mirror's Edge. That was really mm. good. No, it came out on mobile. The yeah. runner. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and it was really good. Like, it was great. Classic examples include uh, Puzzle Quest. It's a, it's a great yep. marriage of oh, different yeah. genres. Nintendo does this all the time with, like, Mario Kart and oh. Smash Brothers. Somebody made this very clever uh, Team Fortress uh, remake that yeah, was 2D remake. called Gang Garrison yeah. uh, a while ago. And the, that, was, that was pretty wonderful. It actually worked. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love but, D-Makes. Uh, so one of the ones that yeah, I think of, and I think this has come up in other IGN programs, is um, I'd love to play a Marvel Universe-based tactics game. Like a Marvel Final Universe. Fantasy Tactics. I don't want it to look modern. Three I want it to have little sprites. But every, and in, yeah. Uh, you have, each character is an individual yes. hero or villain, and they have their own abilities. Exactly. Team superhero battles are, are really good. kind of fit perfectly into that squad versus squad totally. setting. And uh, you mentioned, yeah, Freedom Force versus... You know, uh, Pokemon Conquest was a Pokemon tactics game. And it's really good. Yeah, and there's what what system the, is that on? Uh, DS. I never played that one. It's so fun. And, like, you have to use the, you know, the... Well, just like Fire Emblem with the Weapon Triangle, you have mm -hmm. to use people's abilities yeah. or Pokemon's abilities against each other. That sounds really good. I like a Pokemon, you know, big, uh, beautiful open world mm -hmm. console game. I mean, really good. just like any genre bending in general, like I'm a big fan of. I uh, the game I've brought it up on GameScoop before, but the much maligned Shadowrun first-person shooter for the Xbox 360 um, yep. was a great game, but it just wasn't what people wanted at Shadowrun, and so it caught you know just never. It was sort of a, a doomed from the moment it, it was, launched. That game was actually looking back. Uh, ahead of its time, way ahead. A of multiplayer time. only game in class, 2007. Very, very class interdependent, mm -hmm. um, with all these unique, crazy classes. I mean, it was a hero shooter before that, like term had been coined. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like uh, Johnny said, tactics versions of games. I mean, I play a tactics version of almost anything. Yeah, like, <laughs> Bioshock. Like one that occurred to me was Bioshock would be cool. Resident Evil Tactics. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it just have, flows off the tongue. You have yeah. your arenas, and it there's does. two win conditions. You can either escape. You know, so you're yeah. you're like surrounded by zombies. You can either escape or kill all the zombies. A member of your party gets eaten. They turn into one of the zombies, and Ooh. it's all uh, playing out turn based. That sounds awesome. There what was a, uh, there was Doom RPG was really good. Oh, that yeah, was. on uh, I played that on mobile, and it was great. Yeah, I, I played on <laughs> DS. I think it was. Yeah, good. what's what's oh. the what's the uh, the stop and go puzzle game that everybody's playing right now? Um, stop and sun, go puzzle sun, game. Yeah, the, you throw guns at dudes, and you get their guns and shoot. Oh, super hot. Yeah, super, super hot, hot reminds me of Doom RPG in a tiniest way because of that turn by turn mm. thing the way your, your character yeah, moves. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What about a, a 2D Metroidvania style Shadow of the Colossus? Yes. So you're exploring Whoa. maps and stuff, but then you get to the, the boss and you have to platform up to the top of the boss yeah. to, to stab in the head. Yeah, so and the boss gives you some ability that you can use to reach a, a previously unreachable yeah. area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yep. you can kind of see the boss in the distance like lumbering around sometimes and you have to like, you know, get your uh, Metroidvania over there. I want, a, uh, I want a Mario game that goes back to the Mario 2 mechanics. Very badly. A Mario Maker. Uh, no, a Mario game where you go Mario back. Game. Or in Mario Maker mode, that'd be even better. But where you could make so you everything. you want Galaxy, so but with turnips. So you can hop on things' heads and, and pick them build up. on that and pick Can't them up. Can't you do that? Yeah. Uh, no, that's Is that the only Mario game you can do that in? Yeah, well, Mario you can pick up turtle shells in a lot of games. <clears throat> but there's no. They should make Super Mario Bros. 2 2. Yes. That's what I want. I wouldn't put it past into that. It would be, it would be Super like Mario Advance 5, Super Mario 2 2. Uh, I have a couple more to run by you guys. How about how about Burnout Kart? Yeah. Yep. Okay. A Burnout Kart racer that uses the crash mechanics. Yep. 
I believe that. You're on board with that one? Yep. Yeah. I don't know about Justin. Justin's... I just, wanna, I just want a burnout game oh, where yeah, you do yeah, the no, puzzle no. stuff. I mean, my immediate it. thought was that burnout's already pretty arcadey, but like to even amp that up yeah. could be cool. Here's the one that I really, really like, though, and that as soon as I thought of it, I was really mad that it doesn't exist and Ooh. I can't play it. A Mario platformer roguelike, like Rogue Legacy, yeah. where you go into randomly generated Bowser's yeah. castles, Ooh. and the castle is like very like complex and intricate, and you, you're... You make it as far as you can, but then when you die, you keep all the coins you collected. So you can upgrade your abilities, spin the coins you upgrade your abilities, go back into a new randomly generated castle. You make it a little bit farther each time. That's I, the logical I, progression of Mario Maker. I really like that the idea. The roguelike so Mario. I, I want a Mario play. platformer roguelike. They can I'm do stuff gonna... like that as an endless runner. They had Yoshi's Ice. It's this weird DS launch game called Yoshi's Touch and Go that I think about all the time, actually, because... I really yeah, love you it. Do, you fall for a while, and yeah, then you, you move to the right for a while, and, and it starts over. It's so an arcade game, it's basically. A, it's a great use of the stylus, where Yoshi's walking <laughs> on his own, and you have to draw paths for him, and like stun enemies. They did a lot of They did like Kirby that. games like that. Yeah. yeah. Miranda and Kelly have this idea for a uh, dating sim starring video game characters. Mm -hmm. uh, so like you can, it's like the high school thing, but you're in high school with like Master Chief. Yeah, or, video game or, high school. Yeah, like, and, and you're just, it's a dating sim, so you have all the archetypes, but they're all based on characters from other games. That sounds good. It's great. I think that'd be fun. Would play. All right, now let's get, let's, let's get these things greenlit. Moving on, this is Ryan. He says, recently I've been playing a lot of The Witcher 3 and starting to really enjoy that feeling of powering up my character and plowing through enemies in areas that used to fill me with dread. It's an age-old gaming mechanism, but one that somehow never feels old. My question to you guys is, which game brings back the strongest memories of powering up your character to unlimited power, said in a Darth Sidious voice, and sheer glee. For me, and spoilers, it was the moment at the end of Half-Life 2 when your gravity gun was accidentally upgraded and you got the power to throw everything, including enemies, around the world. It was a good moment. I like that one. For so me, games they're so limiting every time that happens, though. Once you become powerful. a god in a game, it's, yeah. you're always so yeah. limited. Yeah. For, my, for mine, is it's playing the original Legend of Zelda, and before you do anything else, go and collecting the maximum number of heart containers, grabbing the blue ring, upgrading to the white sword, buying the magic shield. You can do all that before candle. you do the first simple? Yeah, you can do all that without going into the first dungeon. So... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's <laughs> it's, it's kind of wonderful. You can get, I think it's you can bomb for two of the heart containers. You can burn for a third. That gets you to six, which you need for the white sword. You can get enough rupees to get the the blue ring and the, he writes, and the shield. He writes strategy guides. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so anyway, for work. By the time you start the game and go down into the the first dungeon, you're like this like katamari of death, and mm. it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful katamari feeling. Of death. I stole that from somebody. I don't remember who said. But are, are you saying like by the end of the game, you're like just it's just a cool moment because it's super powerful? It doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the game, but games that give you that moment where you feel all powerful. You know, what gives you that moment, you. Game Genie. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reminiscing about Game Genie the other day with Damon, yeah. and man, when you first got that, you, you could finally jump over the flag in Mario. Mm -hmm. It finally yeah. wasn't a lie on the playground anymore. Uh, I, I was telling you too, like I played Final Fantasy three with game uh, from like EGM codes for Game uh, Genie, yep. and they give you like uh, you can start with you know whatever HP, but then you get this weapon, the Atma weapon, that's based on your HP, and you're just like all powerful, and you can hit eight times with the Genji glove and everything. It's nine 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 each time. It's so great. It, it is so great. Uh, Dave Barry took his kid to Japan once, and when they were there, they went to Nintendo headquarters. Who, and his who's kid, Dave Barry? Uh, the humorist, I'm sorry, he's a writer and uh, columnist. And he, his kid is asking the Nintendo executives in like 88 about Game Genie. He's like, mm. he wants to know about Game Genie. And nobody had a clue what he was talking about. Uh. He was in Japan. And no, they like, probably had a meeting, they're like, don't acknowledge Game Genie. Exactly. <laughs> and so this little kid's just like, do you have Game Genie? And they're all like, 
what is game change? Like, it's, he's meeting with the, the highest level executives in the company. Justin, it's you really got anything? Cool. Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, th I don't know that it's literally the first time I felt this way, but like the strongest memory for me is like Super Metroid. Hmm. Um, like when I picture that game now, it's usually like with the the spacer and like the ice beam and like sort of the the spin jump and all that. But you start that game with like a pea shooter, um, and even in Metroid One, it doesn't even go all the way across the screen. It mm -hmm. stops like right in front of you. Yeah. So. Um, to get all those power-ups. Like, it's become, like, such a trope in video game now, like the Metroidvania, but it was a newer thing, especially in a 2D platformer back then, to get... Like, you were firing missiles and super missiles and power bombs and, you know, your beams going everywhere and you can jump all over the place, and that's, like, so different than how you start the game. Hmm. It's a great feeling. What about yeah. Fierce Deity Link? That was a good one. Yeah. The Majora's Mask. Oh, my gosh. You get that hyper beam at the very end of Super Metroid. My other thing is just RPGs in general. I used to have... Yeah, since... Uh, just by the very nature of like leveling up. Just so much mm -hmm. more time. Like I, you're just a kid. I was made of time, and I would like <laughs> grind to like such a ridiculous. I would grind to the point where I could just kill everything in one hit, just because it felt so good to yeah. do. It. Yeah, it's yeah, like finding the Masamune at the end of Final Fantasy One. You know, you're yeah. there in the final dungeon, and if you go down that long and corridor, your white mage finally I always, pays off. I always yeah. give it to my white mage. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. give it to the white mage. Suddenly, you're like, I am a god. It's, it's I never great. thought about that in Final Fantasy One. You can just go back to the starting area and just 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 steamroll over imps. Oh yeah, you can. I, I never did that. You never did that. No. no, and like with RPGs now, you usually can't because the enemies scale. Yeah. What's up with enemy scaling? Yeah, I don't like that either. No, it's yeah, the best kind of scaling is a little bit elastic, where it's like this area is level one to seven, and this mm. area is level you know eight to ten. So there's some rubber banding to stick with you, but then yeah. you can still steamroll stuff by the end of the game. <laughs> the game that made me feel powerful that sticks out in my mind is G Darius on oh. PlayStation, which is a 2D space shooter. Darius is a long running. Space, I played Darius Twin. Space series. This is G Darius. And you can upgrade your ship just like you can in most shooters. But in here you have this beam that's like as big as your ship, but you can also absorb the enemy's beams. And if you absorb it long enough, you can upgrade your beam so it's the entire width of, the, of your television screen. Mm -hmm. Just like obliterating Are everything you just in your path the, for on like one five side seconds. of the screen. And yeah. It's just, and it's just yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Really, That's really good. great. Yeah, that was really, really fun. Were you not going to name drop Disgaea there, too? I was also going to say Disgaea. I mean, that game is all about yeah. uh, leveling up your characters and unleashing ridiculous special moves, dealing tens of thousands of hit points. You just have millions of yeah. damage by the Do they just add zeros on uh, hit points? Like, yeah, it's like... I mean, it happens pretty steadily, yeah. though. Like, they don't cheat it. It's not like, hey, you were doing 100 damage, now you're doing 10,000 damage. Like, it is very yeah. solid and steady. I'm playing Disgaea 5 right now. Are you? Our next email comes from Bon Turkington. Whoa. He says, Hi, Damon and the Scoop crew. I hope this week finds you well. Have you been found well? Uh, I, I'm pretty well. I'm all right. Yeah. You can find me well all the time. This will likely be seen as another landmark year for gaming, as two new technologies are going to be fully implemented. I'm talking about VR and Nintendo's NX, both of which continue to evolve how games are played and interacted with. Books and to a lesser extent movies, do not really change over time. A book as a collection of words between pages will never really become obsolete, and movies will almost always involve passively watching a show. 100 years from now, books and movies will still be just as enjoyable as they are now. However, can the same be said about games? I'm wondering if you think there will come a point in the near future, say another 20 years, where we simply won't be able to go back and play old games from the NES, Super NES, or even PS3 and beyond because VR and other technology of the day has completely eclipsed them. So there's yeah. this real, real smart dude named C.S. Lewis who said that reading <coughs> old books is, is very valuable because it's kind of like traveling through time. Hmm. You read an old book and you can read something from the context of a generation that doesn't exist anymore. You can look into their brains and see how they saw the world 
in a different way than you see the world. They have different assumptions. Old games can do the same thing. You go back and play a game from the 1970s, early 1980s, and you see that people were thinking in different ways. And I think that's the greatest strength of old games, this, this sort of magical time capsule ability. Just like looking at the stars and seeing light from something that may not even be there anymore, it's sort of the same sort of experience. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a Turkey Man. Von Turkey Man. Von yep. Turkey Man. Yep. Justin, will video games stand the test of time? Yeah, I mean, I actually think Turkington uh, makes a great point, and this is something that I've thought a lot about, uh, is I really, really like video games. I've made my career playing video games, um, so I, I believe in this medium. But they definitely have strange, I don't know if it's disadvantages, uh, but the technology changing, I mean, I guess it's really defined like what a movie is. Like it's, you know, 90 minutes to three hours and you're gonna sit in a theater and you're gonna watch this film. And like there's, there's a common understanding of like how long a book will be. But a video game can be, you know, a 99 cent, it can be super hexagon or it can be a hundred hour RPG. And those both fit into, those are both counted as video games. And we yeah. both cover, we cover both of those on IGN. And they couldn't possibly be more different, you know, from visual novels to things that have literally no story at all. Mm -hmm. And nothing else is like that. Like, books don't have that problem. Albums don't have that problem. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's an opportunity. But yeah. it's interesting to think about uh, just how reliant we are on the technology of the day. And people will argue that films are like that, too. But it's not the same. Like, a movie from the 50s is still commonly understood as a movie, whereas a video game you know, from from the, you know, Atari era just has nothing in common almost from a video game, you know, from The Witcher 3. Uh, so it's interesting. I don't really know what that yeah. means for the long-term future of games. It's interesting mm -hmm. that he brings up VR. I just mm -hmm. finished Ready Player One, and uh, that is talks about a VR-centric universe where everybody's living in VR, but they go play old arcade games as part of in VR. what happens yeah. Yeah, in, in the game. So it's an emulation within. But uh, that brings me to my point. Uh, games are incredibly hard to preserve. We're doing a terrible job at it. Mm. And when you play an emulated game, you play a preserved game right now, I don't think it's the experience that people ever got with that game. Uh, sitting on the CRT screen yeah. with an NES plugged in uh, is the way to play Super Mario Brothers or DuckTales. Uh, it's very hard for me to connect that experience with emulating it on any other any other device, mm -hmm. and uh, that that is like people say like well that's that's you can do that with any like, Xbox controller and a PC, whatever you cannot do that with the vast majority of arcade machines in any way. Mm -hmm. There's no way to take a 720 cabinet and make it experienceable for people now without making it that cabinet. Yeah. yeah. Kind of and it's really sad. Or even just the, the look and feel of a joystick or even, I mean, even or something the as screen. Simple. The graphics are very yeah. important and yeah. the screens are all wrong. I mean, that actually touches on, you know, the point that I was making about, you know, being reliant on, like, video games are reliant on input in a way that no other artistic medium is. Uh, so, you know, you can emulate Mario on your PC and, you know. Or take it on your iPhone. Yeah, or on your iPhone. And you can even add, I mean, even if you have a great physical controller, it's not an NES controller. And yeah. so it's different. Mm -hmm. It is a subtly different experience. And that's just a weird thing that, uh, you know, that no other medium really has to deal with or contend with. And I completely agree that I am concerned about the preservation of games and actually laws sort of make the preservation of games uh, difficult. I think that's yep. kind of backwards. Um, and even outside of just the legal ramifications, you know, MMOs go offline. And these are these real important experiences yeah. that sometimes yeah. thousands or That's hundreds good, of thousands of people had, and they're just gone. Like yeah. you can't, or even, and I, I feel like I brought this up on Scoop maybe a month or so ago, mm -hmm. but uh, even games that are still online, like World of Warcraft Cataclysm, uh, changed it, wiped away the old world. That was, mm -hmm. the, that was the whole conceit of that expansion, was it wiped away the old world and replaced all the zones with new, you know, it pushed the story forward a few years. And it's like, 
it made me uncomfortable because now you can't experience yeah that think of the equipment it would take to resurrect it too is all dated server equipment yeah, well, yeah people actually can't, i mean fan made attempts have been like you can like they are preserving that stuff but that's sort of outside the mm -hmm. law um so yeah. people are doing it but not in any kind of official sanctioned way and i don't i'm not i don't think i'm okay with that yeah that's that's something that people have been fighting for rights for special allowances this year actually for for cases almost exactly like what you're describing that's a constant fight that people have to make to say, you know, what preservation versus business. And unfortunately, and I, I do think it's unfortunate, uh, the almighty dollar does kind of rule in these situations. Yeah. And people are very protective of their intellectual property. And I want people to be able to, to profit off what they've created. But, Absolutely. And, but, but, the, but at the expense of losing something that was, that was art, that is art, yeah. for the sake of the human race, it's, it, we need to lean a little more on the side of what you well, said, preservation. I, I don't know if that story is apocryphal or not, but didn't Nintendo lose the Donkey Kong source code? We don't know if that's we true. We don't know if they lost it but or they, somebody They outsourced else it, it and somebody else might own that code. Because yeah. they never issue it. I mean, mm. the, the thing the, that would prove us wrong is if Nintendo just put it out. Donkey Kong. The like, vertical monitor Donkey yeah, Kong like that asks how high can you get. They yeah. may have it, but it may belong to somebody else. That's, mm. that there's, there's a lot of possibilities. But I mean, think about like, this. Games were played on a one picture tube, a CRT screen, uh, for the entire life of games until 2005. Mm -hmm. And those are no longer in production anywhere. The yeah. CRT? Yeah, anywhere. You, you, you have to you refurbish an old one mm -hmm. to do that. So the way every game was designed to look, if we think of games as art and as a visual medium, the way DuckTales looks on a CRT screen was designed so Scrooge's eyes blur the right way using yep. the CRT monitor so it looks like a cartoon character. Mm. But anytime you play it on a virtual console, it's the jagged little pixel boxes. And we all wear like clothes with like pixel art and yeah. stuff. Like pixel yeah. art didn't exist. It didn't look like pixels, yeah. exactly. And, and, other the game scoop and it's not just pixel art that suffers from that. You think about something like uh, uh, Super Mario RPG that had those those pre-rendered sprites in it, and yeah. you look at them on a modern TV, and you're just like, ugh. What's going but when on they there? were all yeah. softened. They look like clay softened yeah, they, models. They, they, they kind of look like models. And they and try to like, cover off on stuff like that with software, yeah. and mm -hmm. none of it's really that great. And I appreciate the efforts that people sure. make in that, though. I mean, anyway, yeah. game preservation, we're screwed. Is, is there anything stopping someone at some point in the future for from manufacturing CRT monitors again? No, those Money. aren't Profit. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's saying, a like, little crazy. It's not like the, the materials you need to make them are gone. But, but, but hey, like I restore these old games all the time yeah. and old pinball machines and, and people manufacture insane parts for those. I mean, yeah. it's definitely too, like it's the hardware side and the software side and both are problematic. Um, the software side is at least solvable. Um, there's weird stuff around, like, uh, I come from a mobile games background, and, like, remember old flip phones would have, like, mm -hmm. games on them? And, like, I'm not saying that those games are huge artistic achievements, and it's important. It's just weird to me that they're gone. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. weird to me that they're gone. Not archived. And they just don't, like, John Romero made games for flip phones, yeah. and, like, they just don't exist anywhere anymore, and no one seems to really care that much. And think much. about yeah. the, the pre-updated versions of Xbox Live games. I mean, yep. I mean th there's there's archivists that believe that all of that needs to be archived for various reasons. We went to a talk uh, from the Internet Archive where, the, where at GDC last year where they talked about how uh, game code for games that never came out never gets out unless somebody yeah. steals it from work. Yeah, they were just like, please steal from work. It was amazing. But God bless those guys because they have made a huge effort with the resources they have available mm -hmm. to collect and save as much as they can. Something they continue to do. I, I encourage everybody to support that. But that raises another issue you were talking about the hardware, and even if this stuff does become accessible again, 
there's 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 also the threshold of expense and accessibility. I mean, the yeah, more it becomes it? a boutique industry, mm -hmm. how do we pay for it? How do we get it into people's hands so they can explore the history? That's the other half of it. Yeah, I think it needs to be like a Library of Congress movement, and yeah. It, yeah. that's just not happening. Yeah. I do want to say that part of this is we think it's unique to games, and I even said you know a minute ago that it's unique to games, but there are challenges. People that are just as into books as we are into games. Um, it wasn't until, like, Kindles have been around for years, but until super recently, the Kindle software didn't try to emulate. It would put line breaks in weird places, and it wasn't... I don't even know enough about novels to really have the vocabulary to articulate this point thoroughly, except that the way that words are laid out on a printed page is different than how they would appear on a Kindle. Yes. And it wasn't until the most recent Amazon Kindle update that they made an effort to finally fix hmm. that mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, have it look more like... You know, the oh, authorial that's intent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, books always say, like, who did the typesetting and stuff still. Like, yeah. that's like a yep. popular like thing. They to, finally to, fixed to the typesetting on Kindles for big bookies. And, yeah, you know, I'm cool. sure. Bookies. Like, I'm sure people. Bookers. Like, bookers, yeah. you know, it's, no, it's probably not radically different than seeing a film on film. You know, there, there are these concerns in other mediums, but yeah. I think they're definitely amplified and multiplied in video yeah. games. Yeah. Mm. It will be very, very interesting to see what happens with VR. Uh, whether or not that changes the way we yeah, play can, games. Can or, a Donkey Kong machine be emulated so perfectly in VR that it's indistinguishable from real life? Of course, oh. that will happen. But who, <laughs> who's going to do that? Yeah. And what will that look like? And who can license it? And I don't know, but when they do, I shall play it yeah, me a too. lot. But that's what Ready Player One is about, which is going to be a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, so. that's true. It begins this year. We'll see what happens with It begins. <laughs> Uh, Justin, how are you doing on time? You have yeah. you have two minutes. Let me read this email because it, it concerns you. Okay. And then you can bounce before we do video game twenty questions. But we need them for twenty questions. I know. So. Just ask if just ask a silly question at the start. Ask and you'll if be fine. He's wearing a hat. Like if the character's parents love. This them. email comes from our fan Blake. He says I've been a dedicated listener to your podcast for close to two years now. It's one of the highlights of my week. You guys have the wow. most intelligent, funny, thoughtful, and entertaining commentary on video games anywhere. Thank wow, you, that's very nice of you to say. I've also been a big I disagree. Fan of, Humbling. You disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been a big fan of the History of Awesome series. Oh, great. I wanted to thank you especially for two recent discussions that were prompted by reader email. The first was a graduate student who lamented how large his backlog has become while he is in school. As someone who has spent the past six years on an educational path to becoming first a registered nurse and then a nurse practitioner, nice. and working part-time and full-time during my education, this conversation resonated with me greatly. I have dozens of, game, dozens of games on my shelf that I've bought, but never been able to play due to school and work commitments, including such renowned AAA titles as Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout 3 and New Vegas, Ooh. Mass Effect Trilogy, GTA 4, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, Xenoblade Chronicles X, Blake is going to have a lot of fun. We yep. can play games. Again. I often feel like the only gamer who has not been able to stay abreast of modern games due to real-world endeavors, but this conversation was a great reminder that I am not alone in struggling to find time to play. It's cool to be able to get all those games, too. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I wasn't able to, and it's, it's nice to be able to play. I have too much to play. Yeah. It's great. The other conversation I really enjoyed was from a reader who said that he has been criticized for maintaining such a childish hobby into his 30s. Justin brought up the point that video games can be art. Table's going crazy. But can just as easily be juvenile and crass. This was refreshing to hear. I often want to make the case to non-gamers that the best video games can stand alongside the best works in film, theater, and music, but games like Mortal Kombat X and Call of Duty make it difficult. <laughs> Kudos to Justin for admitting that as much as we all love video games, they often earn their adolescent reputation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have a vivid memory of, I was on an airplane, I think flying to E3 or some. it might have been flying out to GDC before I lived here, and I was young, I was new to the industry, I was probably 24 and I was, there's was an older lady sitting next to me. Oh, what are you on the airplane for? And I said, oh, you know, I'm going out for a video game convention. And she said, you know, I don't like those video games. There's that game where you can uh, have sex with a hooker and then beat her to death 
and then take her money from her. And like, I felt like, like I didn't want to defend that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know? And like, you can say, well, the game's rated M and kids shouldn't be playing it and the player had to make the choice to do that. You know, it's not like that's part of the story, but I was just like, I remember that vividly and I'm just like, yeah, you know. I, it's a valuable life lesson. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sucks, you know? And like, I, I definitely understood the argument I could have made, but I just didn't want to defend video games in that moment. Yeah. Like, didn't, didn't want to talk about uh, systemic game making where people yeah, can create the, their own yeah, combinations. Yeah, the average age of the gamer that, is 30 uh, and then, you know, all yeah, that. Yeah. I just didn't, uh, yeah. And I actually like Mortal Kombat, but I probably wouldn't make the argument that it's high art. No, but but they are certainly you know I I don't know Journey is one of my favorite. Uh, try games, try yeah. selling an old person on a comic book career sometime. I'm sure it's equally yeah, exactly cool. That's true. All right, Justin, if you have to go. Yeah, cool. I'm sorry. Right. Ask ask sure. if they wear a hat. Okay. Okay. Cool. See ya. All right, this is the time when we play video game twenty questions. This is where we take a suggestion from you, the listener or viewer. And I, oh, I'm the only person who knows the game, and now Jared and Sam have 20 questions to guess this mystery game. And for the rest of this month, we are also giving the, uh, select, the, the person who suggested the game a Fallout 4 prize pack brought to you by Subpack. So that wow. one's going to John C. Cena? John Cena? Just John Cena. Oh, okay. Could it be John Cena? It could be. For all we know, it's John Cena. I, before we begin, I just, I don't know what to do with this couch. You're doing a good job, man. Don't worry about the couch. Focus on the game. All right, all right. A little worried. We about have it. more room to dance. Just okay. think of it that way. That's it. All right. You may begin. May begin. Let's see. Well, Justin's not here, so I'm not going to ask about hats. Uh, not yet, anyway. Uh, that leaves it up to me. Was this game released after January 1st, 2000? No. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. We're, we're, we're in our safe zone here. Same, okay. same question, okay. 1990. Uh, what, was it after or before? After 1990. No. Okay. So we're, we're even earlier. All right. Um, do you think it's even worth asking after 80? Uh, was this in the arcades? Was this an arcade game? No. Oh, not an arcade game. So PC or console or handheld? Was it based on a licensed property? No. Okay. So we got an unlicensed 80s home oh, computer. Oh, it could be 70s, unfortunately. Oh, it could be 70s. That's do we even good. need to narrow it? But there wouldn't, most of that would what, be... Was this on uh, Nintendo? No. Not Nintendo. I mean, not... not Originally, no. Okay. It sounds like it's Sid Meier's Pirates. It's <laughs> was, this a, uh, was this a computer game? No. Oh. Not, Wait, a, not again, not original. It not wasn't a, oh. arcade Nintendo. And it wasn't... So it sounds well, like it could be a Master System game. It could be Master System. It could be technically BTG-16. It could be... Um, <laughs> uh, was, this, was this a console game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Oh, it could be... Oh, wait. It could be an early Atari game. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Is this... Game um, was this game released on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred? Yes. There we go. Ooh. Oh, there we go. The fun is back. Oh, <laughs> yes, sirree. Yeah. It's the Twenty Six Hundred from Atari. Uh, do, are you a human in this game? Yes. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're a human. It's an Atari. Um, it's about an game, adventure. <laughs> was this game developed by Activision? Yes. Ah. Ten. Does this game have crocodiles in it? Yes. Oh wait, wait, don't we could be no, a sequel though. No, no, no. All right. Let's, let's keep it going. Okay. <laughs> is the this the first game in a series? Yes. Ah. Are you sure the they weren't alligators? <laughs> what? The crocodiles I asked about. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um you can either spin more questions <laughs> or we can just guess it. Is this game Pitfall? It is. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly with an I exclamation hear the room point. Shaking a Excellent. Little bit. 
Pitfall, developed and published by Activision for the Atari 2600 in 1982. That David Crane, though. It is a single-player platformer. It is. Uh, Jared's uh, played poker with the creator of Pitfall. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was fun. He's a, he's a good card player, too. <laughs> Jared lost all his money to the creator. Yeah. <laughs> no, fairly. No comment. Uh, thank you for the suggestion, John C. Nah. Uh, before we go, what are we playing this weekend? Oh, great question. I know um, you're playing. Yeah, I'm playing uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection oh. until I, on 3DS until I finish it oh. for review, and then... I'm playing The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD uh, Remake, my favorite Zelda game, and I do believe, in my humble critical opinion, the best Zelda of them all. I already played it. It's you still mediocre. You say that with a straight face. I do. I really like, love I'm that not, game. I will not argue that it's good or that you enjoy it, but sure. that it's the best Zelda game ever made. I, I think I think it, it improves on Ocarina in almost every way. I think the overworld and the dungeons are beautifully laid out. <laughs> No, go for it. Go. No, I'll no, for, it's, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Sam, what are you playing? I, I do think it's better than Okami. Uh, yeah, I like it more than Okami. I'm playing Fire Emblem Fates, the special edition yeah. with the three versions in it. I'm still in the first version. Uh, mm. Something. Are you gonna play all three of them? What's it called? Uh, uh, I don't know. It's not it, Conquest or Revelations. Is it? It's not Sally. Birthright. It's yeah. called Birthright. Yeah. That's the. Con that's the. Are you gonna great. play all three? Are you yeah, for them sure. Yeah, okay. I love <laughs> that. That's gonna be in my 3DS from like now until the end of the year, okay. probably. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll play other games around it, but it'll always be there. And Fire Emblem's such a good game to stretch over a long period. Yeah, of time. it's really good. Mm -hmm. I'm saving that for like a trip, but a nice long plane ride. Yeah, it's a long trip. Well, I just I, I don't really play my 3DS at home. So. Yeah. Man, I, I do. It hurts trips. my hand. Yeah. What are you playing this weekend? Uh, I'm on mission. 42 yeah. of Metal Gear Solid 5. Oh, that's right. Uh, so hopefully I can wrap that up at some point. But I just, I just, I think even well, after I'm go done, back and get I want to go back, like get the optional objectives. Yeah. I just, I love those are fun. But love, S ranking is even more fun. I love that game. Yeah. And I also want to start Far Cry Primal. Oh I'm a big yeah, Far Cry fan. That looks fun. That looks like a lot of fun. Yes. It's beautiful too. All right, I think that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Sam. My name is Damon, this is IGN Gamescooper, out.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.